Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. So today we are continuing our English and British Monarchs series by zooming in on the succession crisis that engulfed England after the death of King Henry I. This succession crisis is known as the Anarchy and today we will be zooming in on the main players, the main events that happened within this conflict but also the outcome. Now if you are enjoying these videos please don't forget to like and subscribe. It goes a long way in helping me out but it also gives you the notifications if another video comes out or when another video comes out. So without further ado let's learn about the Anarchy. So the Anarchy has its origins in the white ship disaster that occurred in Henry I's reign and you can learn all about that in last week's video. Now in this disaster Henry I lost his heir, Prince William or William Duke of Normandy and he was thrown into a succession crisis. He had lost his only male heir and he had chosen to force his nobles to accept and promise to promote his daughter Matilda to this throne after his death. However, in 1135, after Henry I died, his nephew Stephen of Blois decided to usurp the throne. He immediately rode to London to claim the crown for himself and then to Winchester to secure the treasury. And not only did Stephen go against his oath to do this, many nobles across England ignored their oath to Henry and Matilda and supported Stephen in his claim to the throne. Now, at the beginning of the anarchy, Matilda was not Stephen's biggest threat. In fact, his biggest threat was his elder brother. As Stephen was the younger brother, he did not have as strong a claim to the throne as his brother. So he had to compensate or pay off his brother to ensure that his brother did not claim the throne over him. He also had a problem with the church and he had to make sure that the church supported his own claim to the throne over Matilda's. And this was supported by a letter from Pope Innocent II, which was circulated around England after it was sent to Stephen. So at the beginning of the conflict, Stephen had the support of not only his family and the nobles, but the church as well. A few years into his reign, Stephen's grip on his kingdom started to loosen. Matilda's husband, Geoffrey Plantagenet, Count of Anjou, was starting to make his way through Normandy and ruling it in place of his son, Henry. Matilda's brother, half-brother, Robert Earl of Gloucester, was also starting to rebel and fight against King Stephen. He was promoting Matilda's place as queen at home. This showed that Stephen didn't have a firm control over his nobles and that he did not have a firm control over his kingdom. And the point that clearly demonstrates Stephen's lack of control is that in 1139, Matilda landed in England. And Matilda set up an opposition government and court in Bristol. She was clearly setting herself up to be queen. And this started the anarchy or the, the English Civil War, not to be confused with the one later. So this 
was a dynastic crisis, a succession issue that prompted by Henry I's death. Now, I tend to see this conflict in two different parts. Yes, there are different phases to the conflict, but two different parts. And the first part of this conflict I see as Matilda versus Stephen. And in 1140, Matilda was starting to gain strength and gain power in England. Crucially, she was starting to convert nobles over to her side. And one of these nobles was Ranulf Earl of Chester, who was a very powerful noble at this time. And in 1141, Ranulf Earl of Chester assisted Robert Earl of Gloucester and Matilda in capturing King Stephen. In 1141, Ranulf of Chester greatly assisted Robert, Earl of Gloucester, in capturing Stephen in a siege. This capturing of Stephen was a huge coup for Matilda, as it allowed her to make a claim for the throne of England. With Stephen imprisoned, there was nothing, or there should have been, nothing in her way. Now, Matilda took on the mantle of Lady of the English before being coronated. But she quickly arranged a coronation to happen in London. But all she had to do was get to London and get into London for this coronation to occur. However, the people of London at this time reserved a right to elect the next king or queen of England. And many kings had made concessions to the people of London so that they could get into the city and be coronated. However, Matilda made no such concessions to the people of London and they chased her out of the city. And this made sure that she was not able to get coronated and it soured her reputation as well. Another barrier in the way of Matilda being crowned was Stephen's wife, also named Matilda. She was fighting for Stephen whilst he was imprisoned by Matilda. So there was one force preventing her from being coronated. Another obstacle to Matilda was her own arrogance. She was alienating members of the nobility who had defected from Stephen upon seeing his capture. Matilda really should have been consolidating her control and bringing these nobles over to her side. However, her arrogance was alienating them and they no longer wanted to support her bid. Whilst fleeing from London and heading to the safety, or what she thought was the safety, of Oxford, Matilda's half-brother and lead military man, Robert Earl of Gloucester, was captured. This was a huge loss to Matilda as Robert had been guiding her campaign. And... To get Robert back to lead her campaign, she swapped prisoners and she gave up King Stephen in return for Robert. Upon getting to Oxford, Matilda was placed under siege by Stephen's forces. And this siege lasted quite a while. Now, Geoffrey Plantagenet had dispatched some mercenaries and a force to go and help and free Matilda. But she couldn't wait that long and using her own cunning and resourcefulness she escaped from Oxford Castle on her own. And she escaped 
two divisors. And here she set up another rival government to Stevens. Clearly, yet again, splitting the country in half. But in 1149, Matilda felt that her own work had been done. And she retired back to Normandy to allow her sons, particularly her eldest son, Henry, to carry on the fight. Now, as I said earlier, I see this conflict in two parts. Whilst there are many phases, I see them in two parts. And the second part I see as Henry versus Stephen. Now, Henry was Matilda's eldest son. And to her, he was the heir to the throne. Not only her heir, but after her retirement, Henry I's heir. And in 1147, Henry made his first foray into this conflict. He took a band of mercenaries into England in an attempt to fight and promote his mother's case. However, he could not afford to pay these mercenaries and King Stephen, in a show of peace and possibly a courtesy to a family member, paid off these mercenaries to return home and sent Henry back to Normandy. Now, two years later, Henry was back in England with a renewed sense of vigour and greater maturity in the way that he went about things. And he was going through the north, gaining fealty from major nobles such as Ranulf, Earl of Chester. This fealty made him their feudal overlord and increased his threat to King Stephen. He was also in the same year named Duke of Normandy, so he was slowly becoming one of the greatest and most powerful nobles on the continent. And then in 1152, Henry made the ultimate coup. He married the King of France's former wife, Eleanor of Aquitaine, and with Eleanor came all her lands and all her power. And he became the most powerful noble in France. But this was a massive threat to Stephen, as Henry had greater resources, power and money to lean upon in his bid to fight Stephen for the throne. Now, as Henry's stock was rising, Stephen's was waning. Stephen had entered into a conflict with the church about naming his son Eustace as his co-king. Now, whilst this had been customary in some parts of the world, the Pope had asked or said that this practice should not continue. And Stephen had been locked in a conflict with the church over this. Now, in 1153, Henry re-entered England and landed at Malmesbury. Here, Stephen met him and Henry's forces defeated Stephen's forces after Stephen's forces refused to fight. Here, Henry dismissed his mercenaries and said went on a diplomatic war against Stephen. This diplomatic war was more of a royal progress as Henry went around the country promoting peace and justice and he wasn't acting as a true conqueror, but instead promoting or giving himself the image of a king travelling his country. This promoted several nobles to support Henry. 
instead of Stephen. As a result of Henry's progress, Henry and Stephen signed a truce, which was the Treaty of Wallingford. This treaty was an uneasy truce, as neither side particularly wanted it, but all the nobles were sick and tired of fighting in this civil war. And this truce had been negotiated by the church. Stephen's eldest son, Eustace, was also a massive opposition to this treaty as he felt that it would potentially affect his own claim to the throne after Stephen's death. However, at the end of August 1153, after the Treaty of Wallingford had been signed, Eustace died. And this paved the way to the November 1153 Treaty of Winchester. The Treaty of Winchester formally ended the Civil War and it led to Henry becoming Stephen's adopted son and being named as Stephen's heir. Out of this arrangement, Stephen would become Henry's overlord and Henry would have to pay him fealty for Normandy. Also, Henry would become an advisor for Stephen, but Stephen would maintain 100% control over England. But not even a year after this treaty had been signed in 1154, Stephen died of a stomach disorder. And the treaty came into action and Henry succeeded Stephen. Now, thank you very much for watching our episode on the anarchy today. I've really enjoyed doing this research for this episode. It's something that I've, I've wanted to look at before in the past and I just really haven't had the opportunity to do so. So this episode was the perfect vehicle for that. Now, as always, uh, I'm going to recommend some books. Now, first of all, it's a new book. It's something else I haven't recommended before and it is The Plantagenets, Kings Who Made England by Dan Jones. Now, this is a fantastic book. It's got fantastic few chapters on the anarchy, the key players and the events and so on. I'd really recommend this book, not only just for the anarchy, but for the Plantagenets as a whole. It is just a fantastic book and Dan Jones is awesome as always. Now, secondly, if you want to look at the individuals within this uh, this conflict, while Stephen isn't mentioned, Matilda certainly is and so is Henry, I'd recommend the stable book this series, Gwyn's Kings and Queens, The Indispensable History of England and Her Monarchs. Now, both of the links for these books will be in the description below so you can get your own copy and you can learn as either the series is going on or in your own time. So I'd really recommend both of these books. Now, in the meantime, today we also have the release of the newest History with Jackson podcast, which is an interview with Stephen Roman about his brand new book, Arles and Empire. So that will be on all major podcast platforms and YouTube in video form. If you want to keep up with History with Jackson in the meantime, please head to www.historywithjackson.co.uk. If you want to go to our social medias, the links are all in the description below. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter uh, and LinkedIn as well. Uh, we're on all of those. You can get all of our updates. And if you'd like to support us in the meantime, uh, buy me a coffee profile is in the description below.
Now, thank you very much for watching this episode this week. I really enjoyed it. I uh, enjoy having you guys watching us. And next week, we'll be looking at King Henry II. So don't go anywhere, and I'll see you guys next week.